All right. I didn't know they were going to put skiing up there. That makes me a bit jealous of my older brother because that's why he's not here. He's going skiing, which is awesome. Hi, everybody. My name's Dave. Everybody doing well? Happy uh, day after Christmas. This is the day after Christmas, which is awesome. Raise your hand if you had a good Christmas. Raise your hand if you had a good one. That looks like everybody. If you didn't have a good Christmas, God bless you. <laughs> I, uh, I, hopefully t- it'll get better as we move along. How many of you guys were with family on Christmas? How many when you were with family, that was the reason it was a good Christmas? How many of you with family is the reason it was a bad Christmas? <laughs> How many were here during the Christmas Eve service? Was anybody at the Christmas Eve service? Anybody go? I thought that was awesome. Um, I usually make fun of my uh, older brother. And he, my older brother, just so you know, is Jeff Griffin, the senior pastor of, of this church. And I usually have to take this chance to tease him a little bit. But I actually have to talk kindly about him. Because I thought God really used him even in my life during the Christmas Eve service. And so uh, if you were there, he gave this, it was an excellent message. He was funny. He was witty. Um, he, he brought some really cool props. And so I thought I would review a little bit. So I was like, you know, it was one of those, you talked about this oak tree, you talk about a swing. So swing. Swing. They don't trust the younger brother with the swing. My plans were to use the swing and show the proper dismount because the way he got off wasn't as smooth as I thought, but then, but they did say I could actually bring acorns. And so I got acorns. I can't believe they trusted me with these and I got handfuls of them. So if you'd like, but no, just kidding. We're going to talk a little bit, basically what the whole message was, which I thought was absolutely gorgeous and awesome. If you're there is the fact is he talked about this amazingly big oak tree and that oak trees can't grow or start or live Unless the acorn falls from the tree, actually dies, and then grows again. Just like Jesus says, if we have a a wheat seed, if the farmer holds on to it, it will, nothing will happen. But if he actually lets go of it, surrenders it so that it falls on the ground, what happens? It germinates and grows into life. And then says, we have the exact same opportunity with our lives. Just like Jesus gave his life up surrendered everything for us and then rose again, we have the chance to take and the acorn actually represented our lives. And we all had a chance. If you weren't there, this is what happened. We kind of all stood there and said, yes, I give my life to Jesus. And some of you weren't ready for it and, and, that, and that's okay. Others were really ready and some were doing it for the 150th time and that's cool. We're saying, God, take my life. I surrender everything to you. And we let it drop saying that we now are his that we have surrendered our lives to him and now we're supposed to start this amazing new life. And what's really cool is I get to continue the story. I actually get to talk about sort of what is actually next in this because I don't know about you, but sometimes I say, yes, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. But I don't, that landed exactly on the other acorn. That was amazing. And I don't really feel any different. And so then I sit there and say, I go to another thing. I yes, I want to surrender my life. And yes, I want to surrender my life. And I keep doing that. But my life actually feels like it's always the same. And so we're going to have to talk about this. And this is, as I was thinking about it, uh, I'm really excited about this one. Because we need to first look at it because the truth is the truth. And we're going to look at a little bit what uh, the Bible says about this, this new life we have. 
So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3, 4, and 5. And this is what it says. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Basically what is that saying is, is that when we, in faith, say, all right, Jesus, if you honestly died and rose again and you have a new life, I give you my life, it actually says then that he gives us then a new life. How many of you guys... Uh, have ever heard the verse that the gift of God is eternal life? There's a verse in Romans that's pretty popular and it says, for all have sinned and fallen, but the gift of God is eternal life. I brought some gifts. I, and I got two, I got two gifts. Um, my wife should be paid to wrap gifts. They look so awesome. And I realized, I'm a people watcher. Is anybody else a people watcher? I was watching people this, this Christmas and I realized that there are two types of gift openers. There are those like me. It doesn't matter what the gift looks like. What really matters is, is what's inside. And so as soon as I was handed a gift, still to this day, I'm handed a gift. I don't even notice how beautiful it is. I go right in to the point of where, and if there's too much tape on it, I've been known to chew on a box to get it open. And you just, and you're in to see what's inside. Now, what's kind of a bummer about this, there's nothing inside. Then there are those other ones, and I don't understand this really well. My grandma is the most famous. She's going to be 98-some years old. I went to visit her just the other day, went over, and she had gifts. And every gift, it didn't matter how they were wrapped, this is what she said. You hand, oh, it is so beautiful, I don't even want to open it. What? does that mean? It is so awesome. I don't even want to open it. Is there anyone here that'd be willing to just, just admit for a little bit that that's the type of gift person you are? That you look at the outside and it is so beautiful that it doesn't matter what's it? I just, here's what's amazing about it is, kind of describes my life spiritually. It really honestly does. I'm all into surrendering my life and saying, God, I want you to, to be the king of everything. I want you to, 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 to rule my life. And then I get this. Look at this verse says. The verse says is that we actually get a new birth. We get handed a new life and it is supposed to be a living hope and an everlasting inheritance. It has all these beautiful terms. And I look at that and be like, oh, that is so awesome. It is so beautiful. I think I'm just gonna look at it. And then I wonder why my life doesn't change. Why isn't God active as I sit there and just look at it instead of say, I should really take the other attitude and say, I ought to tear this life apart and say, God, what do you have in this new life for me? And so we're gonna look at a little bit of how to actually open this gift. And I wanna put a disclaimer on this one just so a little bit, you guys. Remember, this doesn't mean that we are controlling the circumstances. We've handed ourselves over to God. 
What we are doing now is opening up and saying, God, what is the new life that you're actually giving me? What is on the inside? Because it looks awesome. A living hope, a new inheritance, a completely new life. How do I then begin to live it? I personally, when I start thinking that way, I immediately go to everything I have messed up on. And I start thinking, oh, I know what God wants me to do. He wants me to fix this and do this better and quit doing that and start doing this. And the truth is, is I think we're getting ahead of the game a little bit. I love the, what this church says is our mission, to love him, so more love him. The best way to begin to open the gift is to actually love him. How do you love God? I'm a doer. I'm the one who rips open gifts. I have tried to force myself to love God. Through my actions and through my words and through what I do, I've tried to force it. I, as Dave, I'm going to love God. And you know what I've done in that one? I've miserably failed every time. Because I'm trying to take control. But whose life is it? It's now God's. It's him who's going to transform me. All I got to do is open up the gift. And what's the best way to do that? I want to sh uh, show you guys another thing. And I thought this was awesome. Uh, my brother actually pointed to me this scripture as I was kind of describing where, where God was leading on this one. And it, it's in Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah is this prophet guy and he is, is hanging out and he has what is called a vision. And I'd love to read it. So in Isaiah chapter six, verse one, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I have lived among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's quite a vision. That is pretty awesome. You even try to imagine that a little bit. All of a sudden he has this thing of where he has seen God and, and there's these six-winged angels and they're, mm, they're covering their feet and covering their, and they got ones that are flying and they're saying these amazing praises and they're doing all of this awesome stuff and the whole place is shaking and it's filled with smoke. There's two parts of it though that I think are really interesting that whenever I have read this before, I have skipped over. I get all caught up in this amazing vision. But it's said at the beginning and it's said at the end by Isaiah. He says, I saw the Lord. My eyes saw the Almighty God. We have a God that is knowable, that we can actually know the Lord Almighty. He revealed himself to Isaiah. And if you look all through the Bible, God always seems to be trying to do this. He's always showing up and trying to show people his character, his love, his power. He's trying to say, look, this is who I am. And really what happens when people really honestly look at that, 
they fall in awe or in love with God or a combination of the two. I think this is absolutely awesome because you know what it says is, is that this God that is out there that says he loves me, I can actually get to know him personally. Understand his, his heart a little bit, not all of it. Understand his power, his personality. I can begin to actually know the God of the universe. You know, it was really, really amazing. I went to... Uh, couple stories here. I went to India. And when I was in India, I met this young man. This young man was a very famous guru by the time he was 20 years old. He, uh, thousands of, of people from India in the Hindu religion would come and try to hang out with him and hear his wisdom because he was so close to the gods. He was so in tune with the spirit world that he was so close that he was, had all these people, they'd come to him and, you know, guru, tell us what you know. And he would share his beliefs with him. And he finally said, I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. And he says, you know what I'm going to do is I am going to get as close as I can to the gods. And so this is what he decided to do in order to have this amazing act. Is he, 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 he put himself in a box. No food. One, two, I guess there was a tube with some sort of water dripping in. And he buried himself for 100 days. That's more than three months. When I was five years old, I was locked in a suitcase for 45 minutes. I did not come close to God at all. I, it was one of those things is where that was the most horrible experience. And so I, I'm now claustrophobic because of that. I broke out of that and I went running and I grabbed my mom and it wasn't very, I was like, why didn't you save me? And I thought you were laughing was the answer. And it was one of those, just was, was a horrible experience. And I, as I'm hearing this guy and he's telling me this story that for a hundred days, he's in this box, he's close to the gods. My whole, I got two reactions going on, going, that would be horrible. And he has more desire to know the fake gods than I do the real gods. He has more desire to know gods that, 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 that literally can be somewhat made up instead of knowing the one true God. And I, I just kind of sat there and was amazed at it. Now, this is what's really cool about this story. Because when I saw him, he was clean shaven and he didn't have any of his guru stuff on. Because they came and everybody showed up. They undug him after 100 days, opened the box. They said it smelled like death. He comes out and he said he looked like death. He's skinny. He's brilliant. Well, you know, what did you see? He had nothing to share other than it was awful. Not any closer to any sort of the gods. What's really amazing is, is about a month after he had cleaned himself up, said, well, I guess I got to go find another way to find God. And he enrolled himself in the one or two really good Bible schools in India and said, I'm going to find the gods through this. Wasn't a Christian went in. And as I'm meeting him, this is what he says. He goes, you know what I did? My eyes were opened with studying the Bible. He says, I saw the real God. And now he's standing in front of all of these young people telling the story saying, there is but one true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I had another friend that went and he said, you know, I'm going to go find the answers to life. And so he put on a backpack and hit the Appalachian Trail. I didn't see that friend for two years. He came out of the woods looking like a guru. 
he had long beard and hair all over and he came off and said, hey, Dave, can we have dinner? I said, sure. I kind of sat with him and he really was like, fr- and me and another friend were sitting there and we're listening to this guy and he had gone and he's like, I have been hiking for two years on the Appalachian Trail, living in the woods, gonna find the meaning of life. And like, did you find anything? And he goes, no. My friend who was standing there stood up and says, are you really wanting to know? Yes. And my friend pulls out of his backpack his Bible, slaps it on his chest and goes, read that and quit hiking and walked away. (laughs) And I sat there and looked at it. My friend just kind of looked and says, what does that mean? And I go, I think he just gave you the word of God. You know, you sit there and you look at this and the truth of the matter is, as God says, he, he revealed himself through, through light. He revealed himself through clouds to his people. He filled rooms. He shook things. He even came down as a man and was Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we're celebrating. God wants to be known by his people. And he's given us one of the most amazing tools ever and says, here, I'm going to give you my word. It's all written down. It's right there. This will show you who I am. It'll show you who you are. It'll show me what I want. It'll show you what you should do. This is the answer to life because it points to Jesus, to me. And I sit there and I kind of look at it and I'm, I'm kind of holding this present going, it's really beautiful and awesome, but I don't have time or I can't, it's too, I'm not smart. Let's just think about it for a second because I'll be honest with you. I am the best excuse maker in the world. My excuse number one is this. I go to a church, again, that has one of the most amazing preachers ever. I love sitting and listening to my brother because every time he does, I feel like he explains the word in such normal, great ways. So you know what? I'll just wait for the weekends. I'll just wait for the weekends because then I'll get it from him. And he's the professional. He's the inspired one. Other people use even your anointing, which is all true. But that doesn't sometimes always help me on a Wednesday or on a Thursday. I got another really good excuse that I love to throw out there is I don't have enough time. I have a busy schedule. I got lots of going on. I don't have enough time to sit there and say, oh, I'm going to read the Bible. I just, I can't fit it in. Whenever I say that or start acting like that, my wife usually has this really good question. Did you have time to eat today? And I go, yeah, four or five times I did. And you go, and you know, you think about it is, is this is a chance for us to get to know God. And I challenge young people this all the time. Do you have, and they always say, I'm so busy. Got all, do you have time to watch your favorite YouTube videos or your favorite? We have time to f- do what we want to do. If we want to eat, we make time to eat. If we want to watch a TV show, we make time to watch that TV show. If I would like to sit and relax a little bit, guess what? I find time to sit and relax. Yes, we are busy people. But what's it going to be like when we finally get there and and you're kind of sitting there and the Lord says, hey, how much time did you spend with me? Had lots to do, God. Lots of important stuff. Didn't get time to... And all he's saying is, learn about me, get to know me. I don't think that's a very good excuse either. The other really good excuse I guess is I don't, I don't understand it. 
Somebody told me this and I thought it was pretty amazing. Is, is you know that it's, uh, to some people who are scholars, who are book learning people, will not understand what I am saying because I am an experienced learner and I'm not so book knowledge all the time. Not my job to make myself understand everything. This book should be revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. I just need to spend time with it. He's the one that teaches it. And so if I'm saying, oh, I don't understand it, it's probably because I'm just not spending enough time with it to actually let God speak to me through it. And so really it doesn't depend on my intelligence. It depends on God's power to teach. And I think the Holy Spirit is good enough to teach even me. And not just other people. So for me to use the excuse of it's not, this book is written for everybody. No matter what age you are and those that really want to learn, the Holy Spirit will teach. And the last excuse that I always love to use, <laughs> I don't know where to start. It's a big book. Am I supposed to start with Genesis? Or I love to use that one. I don't know where to start. And so best, you know, I just won't start. The church has given me a place to start. It's this cool little study that says before the cross. And it's actually put together. It starts the first of the year, goes all the way till Easterish. It's got 80 days and it's chronological walk through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right through Jesus' life, the one we want to get to know. So where are you supposed to start? <laughs> That's not even a good excuse. Wouldn't it be cool if we, it's one of those is where this is on the, 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 the compass net, the compass, the compass church, is it .net? Is it .org, .net? Is it compasschurch.net? It's, it's on you, uh, version. I'm getting so excited about these things because it's all over the place. It's also even on the compass church app. You'll be able to find it. It's called Before the Cross, the Life of Jesus Reading Plan. And you can pursue him daily by using this. It's on the internet and doing it. I think this is so important. My wife doesn't even know this and she'll look at me and say, you shouldn't do that. I'm going to challenge the youth at Wheaton to something. That if they're willing to walk with me through these 80 days with this and say, we're going to do this. If they get it down and said, hey, we did that. We took time to spend in his word. Not because I have to but because it gives me a chance to let God reveal who he is to me so that I can be like Isaiah and say, it opens up my eyes. I say, if you're willing to do that, I'm gonna plan a special lock-in. We'll just stay up all night and run around little circles because for some reason, young people like that. We'll have pizza, we'll throw balls at each other and we'll stay up all night and it makes me twitch. What I'm just saying is, is what a motive, for them it's going to motivate. And so I'd invite all of you, that would be weird. But I just look at it and say, why not? There's not a good excuse. Because here's what we have. God says you don't have to bury yourself in the ground to get to know me. All you need to do is to make time open up my word. And he says, I will teach you who I am. We have a God who wants to be known. Now remember this one last thing as you think about it. 
and especially for the younger generations, because this always happens, is we get anxious. We open it up once, we read one verse and go, nothing happened, I'm done. What Dave said was a lie. It's all over. The best things in life take a little bit of time. It takes 55 minutes for a deep dish Giordano pizza. I'm hungry the minute I order it. That's why I ordered it. But I'm willing to wait. My wife will pass snacks. I want an apple, want a banana, trying to eat me, get me to eat less pizza. No, no, no. I stay away from those temptations, waiting for the good thing at the end. And so I just sit there and say about it. You know what? If it doesn't work the first time, is God worth trying again? Actually, he's worth trying a lifetime. And so as I look at this, I just sit there and say, man, we have a God who's different than all other gods who says, you know what? I want to know you and I want you to know me. I actually want to have a relationship. And so what we are given is his word and it is his chance to actually speak to us. And I want 2016 to be different for me. And that I don't want to just continue to say, yes, God, take my life. Yes, God, take my life. But I actually want to take a step forward and say, God, I am going to pursue you so that you can reveal yourself to and show me who you are. So that my life can be like Isaiah. Because look what happened here. Isaiah, as soon as he sees God, he says, woe to me. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I don't want to read the Bible because every time I do, I feel guilty. It's not even a good excuse either. Look what it says here. Isaiah says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Verse uh, verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. See, you get to know God and you actually start to realize now who you are. This is the cool thing. Not only do you learn who God is, but you learn who you are. And who are we when we get to know him? We are his forgiven sons and daughters, part of his family. That now has given me life. And look what it says here. This is what I love. He says, then I heard a voice from the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? This is the one part that I have missed for a long time when I was beginning to study. Because this is what I kind of looked at it like as I started looking at the Bible and started studying. Here's God. Here's Dave. And as I spend time in God's word, what God does is he actually blesses me with learning who he is, learning who I am, and I get blessed. And here it is, is what happens is, is all of a sudden Dave gets filled up. And that's exactly what we're saying is, is you could have a transformed different life, no longer empty, but actually filled with God's spirit, his life, his power, his awesomeness. And we think that's awesome, but that is not how it's supposed to end. Because what happens here is if I just get filled up, what happens with water that just stays still? That just stays in one thing. Flies come around and lay their little weird fly eggs in there. 
algae somehow gets in there. Have you ever just been near a stagnant pond? They don't smell good. So even Christians that say, I'm going to spend time with God just to get, just to fill me up. You know what ends up happening? We get stinky. Because it becomes all about us. And so if we're really going to sit here and say, you know what, I want to pursue God. There's another part to it that I just, I can't live without. I can't live without. Because what happened with Isaiah? As soon as he was touched and forgiven and atoned for and realized who he is, God says, who am I going to send? Who am I going to send to this obstinate and difficult people? He immediately says, send me. What we learn about God and are given for is actually supposed to be given away. And so it's supposed to be like this, that God gives, I give. God gives, I give. And it actually becomes a river of living water in us instead of a stagnant pool. And so once you start spending time and learning about God, the next step is to actually serve. And I'd like to add something to that. Because I serve until I am comfortable. That's kind of what my American culture tells me all the time. Make sure you're comfortable and make sure you got enough for you. Did Jesus serve till he was comfortable? If you read the account of the cross, I don't think comfort was a part of that. And we are supposed to bear our cross and serve and so like Jesus. And so when I sit there and look at that, I look at this and says, you know, it's actually the point of if I really want to open up my gift in 2016 and live this other life, we realize that God will call us and lead us to serve till it hurts. Because that's what Jesus did. And if our service doesn't hurt a little bit, sacrifice is the word it's called, I think we are holding back. I met a man just the other day. Uh, he goes to the Wheaton campus. He is the most energetic person at the Wheaton campus. And he is 93 years old. His name is Dom. And I sat with him and I sat. And the reason I wanted to sit with him is because all summer, when I just moved there to the Wheaton area, he came to me at 93 years old. He says, Dave, I just want you to know something. I'm going to help you a little bit. I am going to mow your lawn all summer so you don't have to. I had a 93-year-old mowing my lawn all summer. I'm sitting out there kind of looking out my window. And he's out there mowing away. I had other people in the church making fun of me. Dave, do you know you have a 93-year-old mowing your lawn? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take away his river, man. It's flowing. Let it flow. But here's the amazing thing about it is, is really what I want to say. So I sat down with him just the other day and I had this thing. And he was telling me about how his wife that he was married for over 50 years used to serve him. She said, the first floor, good Italian family. This is my floor. This is the kitchen and dining room. You don't have to do anything here. I will take care of you. He said, I don't even remember even going into the kitchen because I would just have to sit down and he would be served. And that was what God was calling her to do. What is absolutely amazing about it is, is in the later in the life, she got sick and she got Alzheimer's. And she had forgotten how to cook. What's absolutely amazing and gorgeous about it is this. Is what Dom decided to do. A man that had never stepped into the kitchen said, God, you have given me this beautiful woman who has been with me for so many years. It's time for me to serve sacrificially outside of what I am used to, not comfortably. And at 85, he taught himself how to cook and said for years, made seven meals every day. 
One for him that he would cut up, one for him that he would eat, one for her that he would cut up and feed. I said, seven. He goes, well, I made myself an extra one in there. And so it's one of those is where he served her like that. And you know what was amazing about it? The rest of his family was blessed at what he was living. Because they weren't looking at somebody that just knew about God, but actually somebody that had this flowing river of the more we learn, the more we should serve. The more God blesses us as we spend time with him, the more we should look for ways to sacrificially give it away. And what happens then is, is we have a river of life where the, 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 the life that we surrender truly becomes new, truly becomes powerful and awesome. So for me, for 2016, I want to concentrate on two things and I enjoy you, I, I invite you to, to join me. One is, I don't want to make any more excuses and I want to pursue God through his word, and I want to try to make that daily. I have a God that is dying for me to know him. I want to have that effort and say, God, show me who you are. And when I start learning stuff, and when I start figuring out who he is, God, as Dom prays, today, make me a blessing for somebody. He told me that. I said, I wake up every morning. I said, God, make me a blessing for somebody. And I want to start to the point of where it actually hurts me giving away what God has given me so that my life isn't stagnant or stopped, but my life actually becomes where I'm pouring and God is pouring and it's a beautiful river that goes on and on. That's what the Bible calls the river of life. Here's what's awesome about it. It's available to all of us. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much, first and foremost, that that we can actually get to know you. God, that is an absolute amazing thing. We don't have to bury ourselves in a box. We don't have to do weird things. You just say, hey, let my spirit show you who I am through my word. And you've given us such a great tool, the Bible. And so God, I just ask that you would make us people that pursue you daily through your word and through prayer. And God, I also just ask too that you would make us people that truly serve sacrificially. God, as you bless, as we spend more time with you, you're gonna give. God, give us the hearts to give it away. so that you can begin to fill us even more. And so God, we just ask that our lives would not be about us, but they'd be about hmm, loving you so that more love you. In Jesus' name, amen.